Hello everyone, today we're gonna ship a brand new episode with a new format speaking with other entrepreneurs instead of me the solo sharing some tips and tricks, which we believe gonna be a much more exciting opportunity. This podcast is gonna be extremely interesting for those who are about to start a business, already in the business and wants to see how their fellow entrepreneurs solve uh, different challenges and maybe can share some tips and tricks on how to overcome different struggles. And today we have an amazing guest, Anthony, who runs a software engineering company, I think heavily invested in custom software development aspect of it, who is positioned in the small to medium business, which is exactly a perfect candidate to our show. So hello, Anthony. How are you doing? Hello, hello to me. Thanks for having me. Lovely to be here. Awesome. I didn't share much about you, so I would like to give uh, you a turn and present yourself. Tell us a little bit about your company, about uh, your background, and uh, what are you doing in your business? Sure. Well, the short version of it is we're a custom software and custom engineering development agency. What does that mean is we build apps, complex websites, anything to do with custom code and something that's a little bit more advanced than your basic WordPress website. So our clients tend to range quite largely from different types of requirements. We do some medical projects. We do some business automation software. We do some some smaller marketing we uh, websites as well. So there's quite a big scale of the different things that we do there, but our main focus Focus is solving complex engineering problems. Nice. So potentially anyone who has an idea to have an application or website or solve something with software, they're gonna give a call to a company like you and, and and talk about like how they can solve their issue this way, right? That's right. And usually clients will get in touch with us if they they have an idea and they don't quite know where to start. You want to build an app or a product and you know what it should look like, you know how it should feel but you have no idea where to start from in actually building the thing and putting that together. And then we also have some businesses, some established businesses that have been working in a particular way. They know they need to add some efficiencies to their workflow. They know they need to digitize. And so they'll speak to us to try and understand what's possible with what tools. Mm -hmm. So the heavy component in this formula is your expertise in creating a solution first rather than just coding whatever it says. Like you, you try to find the best way it can be done following their requirements, constraints, such as time and money, right? So it's like a full flash turnkey solution. Yes, that's right. And it's actually interesting because a lot of the time you, you will get into, for lack of a better term, conflict with the client because they come into the situation with an existing preconceived notion of what the solution should be. But part of our duty and part of our role is to make sure we push the what we believe is the, the best solution or try to guide them in the right direction. Nice. I like how it sounds. What's the most important trigger for you to run that business? Like, what excites you the most? Like, why do you run your software development company? So I think to answer that, we have to kind of start a little bit further back. First, I want to talk a little bit about how this business started and kind of where, where we came from. Initially, we started the company or the business entity to build a particular app to publish on the Apple App Store. So this is many years ago, I built a, um, uh, a version of uh, a mobile app to help learner drivers in New South Wales log their, their driver training hours, right? And this was just a, uh, a project for high school. I'd published it. It was getting a little bit of traction. Then maybe a year or two after, uh, after high school, we got together with my business partner and we said, hey, let's actually try and, and grow this a little bit, turn it, into, turn it into a proper business. Now, to do that at the time, and, and still, if you, if you wanted to have a company account or multiple users with uh, Apple's App Store, you needed to have a company entity. Okay, so we formed that company. It's not that difficult to do. Set the shareholders up, the directors started working on that for maybe 
a month or two. And then one of our contacts, his employer needed a CRM and they were, they were having a lot of trouble trying to find someone to build it. And so he goes to us and says, Hey, you guys have a software company. Do you want to build a, a CRM for us? And like, well, yeah, I guess, I guess we do have a software company. And so we started helping them to build the CRM and eventually you know, build it delivered. And meanwhile, we started getting uh, more recommendations, more word of mouth uh, work coming to us. Eventually that we figured out, well, this is actually like doing this for other people. We never did anything with that app, but we just got more and more work from there and grew it up from there. Now, that's interesting. <laughs> the, the, the reason why I wanted to explain how, how it started there is a lot of people go into business with a particular purpose, right? But a lot of other people kind of fall into a business or fall into a situation which lands them in a business. And I don't think you hear that much about that. And it's difficult to, for those, for those people sometimes to understand, okay, what, what am I doing? Where is, where is the purpose coming from? Right. So for us, we actually discovered our, our purpose as we were growing. We realized, okay, we like doing this. What, what about it do we actually like? And, and for us, you know, initially when we started this off, we were all very service-driven people. We like creating solutions to people's problems. And the, the joy we get out of that isn't building something new per se. It's solving problems and making life easier for people. Got it. Well, thank you very much. This is a very interesting perspective. As, uh, as you exactly said, a lot of businesses set the goal first, like kind of mission, but it seems like you have fell in love the process first and that created this amazing opportunity where the end destination doesn't really matter much but the path is right like you you enjoy the process in the first place and this is definitely cool and i think very resilient approach to the business as uh you probably will not have much frustration not hitting the goal because as long as you have what you do like the craft what you do you can just naturally grow and uh, achieve the goals as a sidetrack like you're not focusing much on that as far as I understood it, there is no like big, big end goal, right? Like as, as long as you can create solutions, make, uh, solve real problems for customers, make them happy and make this world um, a smarter place to live in. It's, it's kind of like fulfilling you, right? Well, it, it initially, yes. But what, what you find end up, ends up happening is the more you understand the industry, the more you understand the business after you're, you're in there for a fair number of years, you start building a mission effectively, right? Something that resonates mm. with you, that resonates with the, with the team. For us, it's we want to create a situation and an organization that allows almost every other organization to access custom software engineering, right? Not to limit it to only the large budget organizations or, or the, the super large level corporates, because as, as I'm sure you know, building custom software can get very expensive, right? And there's a lot of reasons for that. Part of it is I believe there's many inefficiencies in the industry. And so part of what we're trying to do is improve that process, make it a little bit better, a little bit more accessible to the rest of the organizations. Now, we didn't start with that goal in mind, but that was something that evolved as we were learning more about the business mm. and the organization and ourselves as we grow too. Hmm. So it's naturally comes out of the, of the need that you've seen uh, running your own organization and uh, it's like uh, sharing this experience through some probably framework, a system with others. That's what, what you're talking about? Well, so in, initially, yes, we have to get this right internally so that we can offer it to clients. Now, as, as we grow, sure, we can, we can contribute that framework to the industry and allow others to use the same, the same concepts. Oh, that would be amazing to see it's coming because, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a huge part of the project, I believe, to have it shared. Um, I, ca I can tell for sure, like from my experience, when we try to apply something that's used internally, worked pretty well. 
not always that easy <laughs> to apply to others. It becomes a business of its own, yeah. like another product company. That's cool. Exactly. Um, thanks for sharing this. And another question I have for you is a little bit tricky. Like, what would you differentiate in your business? What you love personally the most? and hate the most in your business, like uh, mm. the advantages and disadvantages of running business to you. Okay, so, so for this specific business, what do I love about it? It's, it, it? it's that we get to produce things that make people's lives easier, right? And I'm not talking about uh, something you know fun or something that they like. Yes, making products is, is great, but when you're working with an organization of five, 600 staff and you're automating their something super simple and mundane, like their timesheeting process, right? And now all of a sudden, people in that organization don't have to spend maybe two, three hours per week or or per month or whatever it is doing a mundane task that they don't want to be doing, right? They don't actually like doing. And you implement this this custom system for, uh, for them and it just makes their life that little bit better, that little bit more enjoyable. For me personally, that's what I love about it, right? What I don't like about it, it's very hard, I think, or I feel, right? that it, it's, it's very hard to have a robust sales process, making ethical and true recommendations to potential clients and leads while competing with other organizations and salespeople that may not be as uh, honest and ethical when selling or quoting custom solutions. It's, I'm sure your, your listeners have had this scenario or if anyone's ever tried custom software that they'll end up going with the company, everything's great in the sales pitch, and it ends up costing five times or 10 times more than what was uh, pitched by the sales team. The reason why that usually happens is the sales team is focused on getting the sale. They proceed under certain assumptions. They get the client over the line, and then they give it to a delivery team. Right? Now, we try to have a little bit more of a mixed approach. And the downside with that is you, you're not very competitive in the, uh, mm. in the sales process. Um, so that's what I don't like about it at the moment. That's a challenge for us to figure out in the future to come up with a way to give the best advice at the sales stage um, while still winning the client. Well, thanks for sharing that. I know it's it's, it's hard to find the proper balance uh, with the sales and implementation. As um, as I was running a software development company on my own, I can relay this uh, and reflect a lot on this subject because when you try to be ethically and like just generally uh, playing good 100%, it might be displayed as a weakness in comparison with other companies. They just say whatever whatever client wants to hear and especially if this client doesn't have much expertise or some technical on their end to probably validate this pitch, they will be happily and uh, more easily get trapped by, by those uh, solutions. And I can tell you, like, uh, the quote side, I've even seen some companies giving a very uh, sweet price tax and everything looks nice and easy during the process. But the real thing is that it's very hard to balance the quality delivery. And once you get to the release stage, uh, all the bugs, all the issues, everything's going to be revealed. And I believe this is a very strong differentiator between the companies that can deliver or that just close the sale and, you know, whatever happens next. So I, I got your point about what you hate the most. <laughs> it's, it's really close to me as well. The, the the frustrating thing around that is from a client's perspective that they don't find about these issues until, you know, three, six, 12 months into the process. And we have that. We have clients that come come to us after they've already been through this process with someone else and they, you know, may have already wasted a year 
developing something that they can no longer use. Yeah, uh, that's still going to happen in the industry. And I think those videos and many, many other podcasts will help educate people and future entrepreneurs to learn from other mistakes and save their money and time because it's, it's all about it. I've, see, I've seen also like projects completely uh, delivered from scratch after like six or eight months of development with all the resources wasted along the road. Ooh, it's terrifying. But yeah, it's cool to know that companies like mm. Tupai uh, Code Solutions. And it doesn't just happen to smaller businesses. This is a problem across the entire chain. Yeah. Well, we are glad that we have companies like Tupai Code Solution uh, that helps uh, alleviate these issues. So <laughs> if you want a quality software, we know we know where to go. All right. So the next question would be like, can you tell us what uh, something you can share with others that is not on your LinkedIn profile? Here's something about me personally. For maybe a few years, I was actually a part of a Greek band. I think I was still working in the business at the same time. But yeah, it was a, a group of uh, young guys and girls. And we were playing uh, Greek music for some festivals, some uh, weddings, christenings. It was actually good fun. I don't, I don't think that's actually made it onto my LinkedIn. But uh, to be honest, it was a period of my life that I really enjoyed. But obviously gigging ends up taking quite a bit of your time. So we had to eventually stop. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing that. I've decided this question because sometime I just want to make it sidetrack a little bit as I found someone sharing that sometime in the past in Apple, the developers were hired um, with a higher chance when they play some musical instrument like a guitar. And um, it, it's very interesting to see and find like how other entrepreneurs uh, develop their skills beyond uh, something they, they, they just use in the business expertise directly. Thank you for sharing that. It's amazing. All right. So getting back on track with more like business questions, the big thing I have here is about business autonomy. Can you tell us about how comfortable uh, do you feel in the business environment you have created in your company? Like how autonomous it is, like whether the business heavily dependent on you or can operate on its own? Sure. Well, at this point, the business is, um, you know, I'd, I'd say I'm, I'm still relatively required in the business. I can't fully step away just yet as a as a founder. We're on a pretty good track in that it's probably, I'd say, 70 to 80% autonomous at this point. Now, that remainder 20%, 30, 20 to 30%, it's a it's a strong 30, uh, 20 to 30%, but that's where, you know, your CEO duties and your culture, driving culture and, and growing the business, that's kind of, it's very difficult to to delegate that. You can do it. Um, eventually, but that's generally one of the uh, last things to delegate. But, you know, we weren't always um, at this point, there was, there was a time where, um, and to a certain degree, uh, certain clients were still heavily dependent on myself and my business partner. Going back to 2017, I had gone on a trip overseas and I hadn't really thought too much about business autonomy at that point, but I was away for maybe three weeks, three to four weeks in, in Europe. And I was supposed to have a holiday for the first time in a, in a long time, but I ended up spending or tracking 20 hours of available work per week during that three to four week period uh, on my, my supposed holiday. And obviously, as you can tell, it wasn't much of a holiday. And once you factor in the time yeah. zone differences and everything, but it, it was a very important lesson though, because on the way back, I realized that we weren't making that, uh, too much money at the time, but I had the realization that even if we were making two, three, 10 times the money I was making at that point, this is still not something I wanted. And around that time, 2017 is when uh, my thinking started to shift about how can we restructure, rebuild to make it autonomous. 
And for the business owners out there that are having difficulty letting go of the business, it's important to keep in mind that it's not just important for you and for your own health and lifestyle to be able to let go. You don't have to, but to be able to let go. But it's important for your clients, for your staff. The business ultimately should be able to operate without you because what if something happens to you, right? The business still needs to exist as its own thing and provide value and your clients still need to be able to get serviced. Yeah, you're right. And this this might be considered as a tricky question because some people might just find it a real joy in running all the operations while others hate this. And I think what I was about to ask, but like as a secondary question that you already answered, Mm. is the the definition of the freedom in my own words is how much holidays you can afford and when (laughs) in your business. Like if you can do easily like two, four weeks anytime in the middle of the year, it's one thing, but if you if you got to adjust to your client, this is another level of autonomy. But I think the main point is that it still allows you to do what you want because uh, things might change over the time. And as you mentioned, you love to focus on the business growth, establishing client relationships, as long as it's not impeding you, like asking you to, to do something you don't like, but you have to. It's mostly related to this part. So do you have such tasks or issues or you are completely free to do what you want? Oh, no, there's, there's definitely things that, uh, you know, in, in the business you do. Uh, well, I, I, I do that I would rather delegate to someone else. You know, even, even some of the small admin things or, or some of the, um, you know, managing certain clients that might need a little bit more you know, expertise and touch points on. But, you know, at the same time, you have to, uh, when you're in that position, you have to t- take the bad medicine with good, right? Yeah, well, it's like a CEO who is always a plan B or plan C if something goes wrong. It's always good feeling to know that, uh, you know, you're, you're becoming a final frontier to not mm. let uh, adverse scenario escalate further. That's cool. And do you really would want to achieve that? I mean, you probably mentioned it partially that you want to have the business operating without you. But uh, whether whether you like today, did you put it like somewhere on the roadmap, maybe in three, five years, or it's, it is not something that is of high priority to you? It's uh, I would say it's in a, our three year roadmap to have it functionally fully fully without us. Right until then, there's there's still a lot of leadership work to do to to grow the business and get it to to that point. Look, it's not something that I would definitely want to step away from. The goal isn't to necessarily step away from your business. The goal, in my mind, is to be able to step away, right? If you're able to step away and you keep working for the ne- there for the next 50 years, great. That's awesome. But if you're working there for the next 50 years because you cannot step away, the business doesn't allow you to, well, that's, that, that's a problem. Yeah, well, that's nice, n- nicely said and uh, very short and very content. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, that's clear. Nobody wants to be enslaved by the business. I've been there, by the way, for a long time, and I have a specific interest in this question, how others solve that. And yeah, I was in the position when admin task or whatever I don't like to do, like operations, I was a pure hell and I wanted to escape it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, as long as you can replace whatever tasks you don't like and focus on what you love to do, that's like, you know, the, the skies become more brighter to you. You start finding the joy in the life and all that stuff. Anyway, next question I have, like, what can help you in achieving the uh, efficiency in your organization when it comes to tools? Like maybe you can share some tools you use in the Tupai company for like task management or whatever operation that you can share with others. Sure. So I, I think here it's important to note that it's a lot of people fall into the trap of trying to find a one size fits all solution or one software to do 
everything. And there are softwares that uh, software that you can configure and they are flexible enough to do everything for you. But you should be thinking about the business functions, I think, independently of your software, right? Now, for us, uh, we, we only actually recently realized that hmm, that's interesting. We actually need different tools, different software tools for different clients for different projects, right? Because our projects are so custom in, in nature, a complicated Jira workflow for what, which is perfect for one project may not necessarily work for another project, right? And not just the Jira workflow, but Jira itself, for example, if that's your task management or your project management system, may not be a good choice for something that needs to be super simple, super quick. So instead, we've adopted the mindset that, okay, there's certain core tools that we use, but our team is kind of free to use what they see fit on each client on each project. Um, now we use the you know uh, a lot of the obvious stuff, email, calendars, that kind of stuff runs on um, on on Google, but you could also be using Office three six five. Those are probably the two most popular things. We use Slack for communication, and we use Productive for some of the time tracking and reporting. Jira for task management. We use a little bit of Trello actually, depending on the on the client and the project for task management as well. Then at the same time, because we're a custom software company, we also just use raw SQL databases or MySQL or PostgreSQL and just store data in there and then write automations to link things through. Hmm. That's nice. Uh, and, uh, it's definitely cool that you have such uh, expertise to run uh, some custom solutions on top of that. As far as I understood, you have some core infrastructure which you use internally. It probably doesn't change, so you can, can have like reporting in one place, like you mentioned, productive, uh, maybe Slack communication. But for every other client, to make the workflow more comfortable or more just efficient for them, you, um, you do not abstain from using the system they use or just a different system, right? Correct, yeah. The key is to find something that's appropriate for that client, for that project. And of course, we have you know, certain, certain defaults, but we try not to shoehorn, oh, this, you, know, you have to work this way with us, especially the larger projects when we're working with a client for, you know, for maybe six months or 12 months. Some of our oldest clients, actually, we've been working continuously uh, on an ongoing basis for, for five years, just continually improving and, and helping them with, with their efficiencies. A client like that, we're, we're quite in, intimate with. So if they prefer to use a different um, messaging system, even something that's not our default, we're still quite open to working with them around that. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, I wonder how it will face the challenge of the scale. And I mean, using these, uh, this full gamut of different solutions, once you get like, I don't know, five times bigger or 10 times bigger from now, do you think there will be a challenge or issues uh, with you know, using this variety of tools? I don't think so the way we've structured it because we've structured it in a way where it's it dependent on the on the team and the client and the team gets to run autonomously on that where there's a need for reporting higher up the hierarchy that's through through different systems or integrations with the with the client systems so look i th i think it'll scale scale pretty well but of course i mean until you try it you don't know what problems you're going to come up against. <laughs> yeah, well, that's interesting. I'm actually very intrigued by the framework and system you use. In my experience, we, we hadn't succeeded there. We tried to create different process documents and all that stuff. But in the end of the day, people simply got lost and, and do a lot of human factor-related mistakes. So, <laughs> well, looking forward to see you once you get to the product levels. If you get there, I like to product level thing to see how this framework could operate. Because I, I believe a lot of other business owners would definitely benefit from having something uh, like process or system, software tools agnostic. So whatever software tool you use, it works. Sounds really powerful. The next question is, 
what cheat sheet of tips and tricks you can share with other business owners or someone who wants to start the business from your experience, maybe like several items? Sure. So for someone that wants to start the business, step one is don't overthink it. What you need to start the business is, well, to be able to provide the service in its most basic form, service, product, whatever it is. You need the entity, of course, the business entity. So make sure you register for that. And you need a way to collect money. If you have those things, you can collect money. You have the, the, the legal entity and you can provide the service. Everything else is extra. So just start, right? And the moment you start providing the services, when you realize what changes you need to make, how you need to iterate, what you need to pivot. So just, I think that's the, the piece of advice that's probably most talked about everywhere is just, just starting and, and, and doing it. That's for, yeah, that's for anyone that wants to start the business. In terms of general cheats, a cheat sheet and advice, I'd say get vigilant with unsubscribing from emails, right? <laughs> Don't just archive it, unsubscribe, right? Keep your inbox clean. It'll keep you organized. Try to read if you're not a reader. I was not a reader until, or well, maybe a few months ago, and it really expands your horizons in, into ideas and what, what possible. And try to build habits of continuous improvement rather than aiming for a goal aim to build the habits that produce the results you want, whether that's for exercise, losing weight, building a business, literally anything. Well, thank you very much for sharing this. I think new business owners will definitely find a huge value in this as I've seen a lot of uh, entrepreneurs starting with the products uh, overthink it too much until the point they depleted their resources and didn't get even to MVP or something. So uh, I totally agree with you. This is one of the most important things. All right, so I think we are we are at the end of the our interview. Um, we covered in a nutshell what you as an entrepreneur faced, and I, I really appreciate your time, Anthony, on this call. And thank you very much for sharing some other expertise and experience you got along the way. Is there anything else you think might be useful for the audience to to know about you? Maybe maybe they have some app uh, that they would want uh, to build. How they would contact you? Yeah, certainly. So they can jump on our website, twopicode.com. That's T-W-O-P-I-C-O-D-E.com. And they can reach out to us through there. And uh, yeah, we can definitely give them some advice and try to point them in the right direction on where to go from there. Amazing. I'm delighted uh, having you on the interview. Thank you very much for your time. And I hope you have a great future with um, both your framework or system structure and uh, clients. Thank you for your time. Have a great uh, day ahead. It was lovely speaking with you, Vladimir. Thank you. Thank you.